The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The good news about right effort arousing and maintaining wholesome states is you've already got this. You, you already probably know more about it than you think you know. And I appreciate the comments people just made about how, you know, sometimes the vocabulary of this or the, the talks about this can sound, you know, abstract up here. But actually it's almost like we're just putting on a different pair of glasses and we're looking at our same life experiences and our same experiences in meditation through this set of glasses. And this month's set of glasses is called Right Effort or Wise Effort. And uh, so some of this about arousing and maintaining wholesome states is about what you've already noticed. Maybe you've already noticed that somehow your day or your life goes just a little bit better if you meditate regularly, right? You've been able to notice that and feel that in your body, in your mind, your heart, that, wow, you know, that is arousing a wholesome state. That's what this, you know, high-sounding vocabulary is pointing to. Or when you were working on right speech a couple months ago, and maybe you noticed that when you changed your habits of the way you talked to someone or you refrained from saying certain things, that the relationship sort of softened and improved in some small way, that's arousing a wholesome state. And, you know, when we say things more uh, from a place of kindness, from a place of truth, from uh, maybe when we refrain from certain kinds of harsh speech, we're cultivating and maintaining right effort. Right there, that's right effort. We're cultivating and maintaining a good relationship with someone by the way we're speaking to them and by the way we're speaking to ourselves. Um, So, you know, not one minute of practice is ever wasted and really this is all, you can see all of this through the, the pair of glasses called right view. That, you know, every action has its consequences. So we get this rich, amazing opportunity here to notice that when we, as normal human beings, do certain things, the results aren't very good. You know, like it's an unwholesome state, something we don't really want to cultivate more of. Oh, ouch, that hurt. You know, doing it that way or saying it that way, that hurt. So then, huh, What's a better way to go about this? Arousing a wholesome state. Um, we, we get to look at the places where happiness um, comes from our being mindful or our practicing in this way. So again, at right view, actions have consequences. So actions that are less well-informed in our lives, actions that are not so good, have not so good consequences, and we want to prevent those when we can, see how not to do that. We want to abandon them or stop doing them once we get really fully acquainted with just how lousy they are, (laughs) just how awful they feel. I mean, you know, how many people in this room have made a few hundred rounds of some of this stuff of like, oh yeah, it does not really work out if I watch a whole lot of television. I don't actually feel better. Hmm, okay, round 101. Wow, it doesn't work out when I... So we do that, and then we come into this space of like, oh, there's a better way to be. 
I loved Bruni's example of the raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. You know, when you when you weather that little spike of like interest in it, like where the heart dies, like I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to get that. When you just endure that and you're like, eh, you know, I'm going to let that go, then you relax into the space where you didn't need it at all. It's like, wow, I actually feel really good. I don't need any ice cream right now. I think I'll go out and take a walk, you know. Um, So that's, you know, a wholesome state, arousing it, maintaining it. So you've already, you already know this one. You already know it when you make any move towards appreciating when you've been generous, when you've been kind to somebody, when you've been compassionate about something, you know, you felt that. Um, when you've been contented with your life the way it, you know, the good things in your life, the way they are, the people in your life, the part of your heart that has good intentions, when you're contented, those are the wholesome states we're talking about. You know, anytime you land on those and go, ah, oh, you know, it, was, it felt really good. I had this thing at the bank the other day. The bank was really tense. There was one guy yelling at the, he needed the bank manager because why couldn't they give him a temporary debit card now? Then another woman started yelling at a teller about, really, I can't, you, you can't make me go get my ID. I've been here every week for years. You, you know, and so the energy was ratcheting up. And this one guy, I don't know how he managed to do this, but a guy standing at the front of the line after this went on for a while, uh, said to the woman in you know a really kind way, he's like, "Yeah, you know, you got to bring your ID to the to the bank." And there's some people who would say that, and boom, you know, the mushroom cloud would go over the bank. But in this case, she turned and she said, "Yeah, I know." And she went out to her car, got her license, and came back in the, the bank, calmed down. And then I saw that that. Um, then I encountered her out at the ATM machine and the guy was at the next ATM machine and he said, you know, we love you. It, it, we all go through this stuff. And she walked away with a smile on her face and I said, wow, that was a really kind thing to do. And so it's like this kindness begets kindness, arousing and maintaining wholesome states. It lit up my heart to see the whole thing. So, you know, it's... This is, you can also see the weaving in of, it, of right intention. You know, when I was feeling that discomfort of the unkindness, uh, you know, the, un, the suffering of the people who were really feeling like I've been at this bank for years and you guys aren't doing what I want for me. And the, the teller, you know, the poor teller had her head down and was kind of like just trying to do her job. And I, I felt that that unfriendly, uncomfortable feeling. But it gave way into compassion, like, well, you know, this is hard, coming to the bank and wanting what you want and having the bank say no. Or it's hard being a teller having to say, I'm sorry, but bank policy doesn't permit me. Those are all hard. And that gives way into the right intention, right, of compassion for these folks, friendliness towards them, renunciation from having to go, well, you're just making the bank tense, you know. It, that, that could all give way into right intention. So this is the weaving together of these things into right effort. So with right effort, you're seeing how something is not helping you and others. You're 
dropping it, letting it go, and you're, what are you letting go into? What you're letting go into is the arousing and maintaining of wholesome states. So, for example, if you're engaged in sexual misconduct, maybe it feels good. You know, maybe you're, you're having an affair, you're in love, it feels great, but you, at first you might not see the harm in some sexual activities. You might not see the harm for yourself or the other person. But after a while, you may start to feel that, and then you may uh, gain the awareness like, ouch, there are some things about this that aren't going to work out so well. And then able to, what do you let go into? You let go into that new understanding like, what isn't uh, right about this? What isn't, it's like the ship that's, you know, Trinity mentioned is like riding itself and going, oh, whoops, this really wasn't such a good thing to do. And you're letting go into what's a healthier, kinder expression of sexuality or love? What, what's a better way to live my life? Um, if you've had harsh speech that's harmed a relationship, maybe you just were in a, you know, you were tired and you said something really sharp to a child and then you saw, oops, you know, that wasn't the greatest thing to do. You might awaken that part of yourself that's a little bit more patient with the child and doesn't, and you could say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry I snapped at you. You know, I really didn't mean to snap at you. I just am concerned about our getting to getting you to school on time. You know, so um, we're we're seeing it, there's this patience with yourself or this kindness with yourself when you encounter these rough edges in human life. That you we encounter rough edges every day. You know, all we have to do is wake up in the morning and uh, get out of bed and turn on the news, and we've encountered a rough edge. So then we can um, notice how the heart is burdened by that, how maybe what it is exactly, how we get reactive, how we get caught up, and we can uh, decide to abandon it. And then we can decide how we're going to prevent it. So if we feel um, caught up or reactive towards these things, we can, as Bruni says, figure out ways that we'll go about it that are less um, difficult for us. And then we'll head towards the things that are better. So, um, you know, you're already doing this, uh, cultivating and maintaining a wholesome state by doing meditation, by doing mindfulness, by showing up today and doing this. You're cultivating the qualities that lead to um, a freer heart, a kinder heart, a more compassionate heart. And um, if you're meditating mindfully or present with these practices, you're noticing when something is unwholesome, when it doesn't work for you, when it's unskillful, when it hurts other people. And then instead of making mindfulness a self-improvement project, like I've got to fix myself right now, um, and you know we can tend to be on the lookout for everything that's wrong. And I just want to say with these practices, you can be a little gentler than that, or maybe a lot gentler. You can relax and just shift your focus to noticing what is helpful, what is right, what feels good. So an example, a number of years ago, I went to Spirit Rock's um, Meta Retreat, and I was working really hard on it, like really every second saying the phrases. 
of the metta phrases. And then I had my first practice discussion of the retreat with Sylvia Borstein, and I reported everything that was difficult and how it was hard. And, and she said, uh, what feels good in your meditation? I, w- I mean, this was a totally new idea to me at that time. I was like, what feels good in my meditation? So she, you know, it, by asking that question, she encouraged me to land on what felt wholesome, where the loving kindness was already there, actually. So um, that was amazing because that shifted my uh, m- meditation into, oh, I can notice when the kindness is already there, when things are peaceful, when I feel friendly towards whichever you know, object of loving kindness practice I'm doing. Um, so there are a lot of different ways we can arouse unarisen wholesome states. Um, you heard Bruni say, just, just drop it. You know, the fa- famous Bob Newhart as a psychotherapist. I love this since I'm a psychotherapist. And he says, just, just stop it. You know, the client reports their horrible thing that's going on. The, and Bob Newhart goes, well, just, just stop it. Like, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> but, what, but, but it is great that sometimes we can actually just drop something. But the thing is, what do we drop into? So you're driving along the freeway and somebody cuts you off. And this little fear or a little bit of irritation springs up. So if you just drop it, what do you drop into? You drop into like, huh, you know, I don't have to get all wrapped around the axle about that. I don't have to get upset. I can just back off the gas, let the person go. They're obviously in a huge hurry. You drop into friendliness. So you drop it, but you drop into a wholesome state. Um, so it need, as Chris pointed out, it need not feel like a strain or effortful. It can feel um, actually easeful to do this if you focus on the positive state that can be there. So... Um, if an unwholesome state comes up, sometimes you can just ignore it or drop it. Now, I, I suspect that that's often truer with things we're either more familiar with, the downside, we're more familiar with how it hurts us to keep feeding it, or it's a more simple everyday kind of thing like the traffic example. Um, but if you don't act on it, if you just ignore it, sometimes it passes, a few seconds later, it's like nothing happened. You know, uh, 15 minutes later, you don't crave ice cream anymore. Um, another form of arousing these wholesome, unarisen states uh, is to, if you find yourself in one of these painful states that really aren't working for you, you divert the mind to something else. So you could, if you were feeling this craving for ice cream or alcohol or anything that's not going to help you, you could change the channel mentally and decide, you know what, I think I'll go out and work in the garden for a little while, if you have a garden. And being in the, the fresh air and digging in the soil might connect you with some more wholesome part of yourself. You divert the attention. Sometimes you just change channels. Change from the my knee hurts channel to, huh, I have a really relaxed feeling in the rest of my body. I feel very good today. The knee, you know, it's going to talk to me every day. 
that's just how the knee is right now. So I'm going to change the channel to more wholesome states. Um, Another way is to replace an unwholesome thought, particularly with thinking this works, with a wholesome one. So if you find, you know, if you're in that long bank line and you found yourself being irritated in a long line at the grocery store, the bank, or the Department of Motor Vehicles, um, instead of thinking, oh man, how this line's going to take, I'm timing each person and this line is going to take a half hour at this rate. Instead of that, you could replace the unwholesome thought with a wholesome one like, huh, I could do loving kindness practice for every single person in this line. Let me start with the person right in front of me and I'm going to say, you know, may you be peaceful. Because every single person here has a full day to go to and maybe it's hard on them to be waiting in line too. So, And how about the person in front of them? And how about the cashier? And how about the DMV worker? So you just replace the unwholesome with the wholesome deliberately. So this is also a, a practice of right view choice. At every moment, we're either making a choice towards more suffering or a choice towards more freedom. So this business of actions have consequences and the right view of, you know, I see suffering, now I, I can possibly get enough freedom to see a choice. I could choose to replace my unwholesome thought with a wholesome one or my unwholesome action. I could stop right in the middle of stepping on the accelerator in traffic like I'm going to beat that person to the next exit lane or whatever you're going to do and just go, you know what? Back off the accelerator. Let them take the lane. It's fine. Um, I experienced this kind of replacing uh, an unwholesome state with a wholesome one one time when I was talking with a woman who was very vehement about her right as a, her rights as a gun owner. Um, I learned she had a gun, she keeps it in her nightstand. And then it connected prior conversations I'd had with her of really awful experiences in her life. And I thought, oh, she's very fearful. The way she's talking about having this gun in the nightstand is one of a high level of fear. I felt a lot of compassion for that mind state and it helped me step off of the self-righteous mind state to feel more compassion. Now, she and I probably would take totally different political actions, you know, but nonetheless, I don't have to feel hostile towards her conditions or her mind state or what's going on there. So replacing an uh, unwholesome state of mind with a wholesome one. Um, So you can replace greed with letting go into generosity. You know, instead of having this, you know, second cookie, let me give this cookie to somebody I like. You know, it's actually amazing to do that. Simple and it feels good. Um, Instead of feeling irritated, let me see if I can summon some friendliness here. This is another human being. You know, they have joys and sorrows and woes and stresses and happiness just like I do. Replacing cruelty with compassion. You know, then you're you're practicing right intention and you're cultivating, arousing these unarisen wholesome states. And then, um, if you keep in mind what you're doing here, working on the Eightfold Path and trying to be aware of it, 
Um, and the meditation and mindfulness practices you do, you can enjoy the arisen wholesome states and that maintains them. You know, just by landing on the benefits of that. You know, you've each experienced some of the benefits of this. If you land on them and stay with them in your body, um, you continue to reshape yourself towards maintaining wholesome states. Um, So Bhante Gunaratna speaks of knowing what our own mental weeds are. Um, That's a helpful way of thinking about habits that we've studied them long enough that we now know on the 120th time that it's not, or maybe on the 1,500th time, that it's not helpful. Um, So we can pull the weed and then plant something more wholesome and, and water and nurture and cultivate that more wholesome plant. You know, or you could think of it from a disease model. Maybe you have practices when you notice you're coming down with a cold, um, and if you can notice that very first, you know, thickening in the back of your throat or whatever it is, and you can get some extra sleep and get some extra fluid, it's way easier sometimes to maintain your healthy state, um, to nip in the bud these unhealthy things, than to catch them way down the road. So that's the practice of catching an unhelpful thought. The minute it starts to pop up, instead of allowing the whole train of thought to develop, um, maintaining a wholesome or a healthy state of mind. Um, So another way to uh, cultivate and maintain a wholesome state is to realize this isn't permanent and I don't have to fuel whatever it is. You know, if you've ever woke, awakened in the morning from a nightmare and you can feel the emotion, emotional pull towards whatever that nightmare uh, created in you, fear or regret or whatever it did, um, you can just think, well, you know, it was just a nightmare. I don't have to stay wrapped up in this emotional state. So um, turning around the unwholesome to a wholesome state, you can reflect on the fact that every hindrance greed, aversion, sloth and torpor, sleepiness and torpor, restlessness and regret, doubt. They all arise from a huge number of causes and conditions, but they're constantly in flux. So you, this practice is really enjoying all of it, enjoying the, the discovery of what isn't helping you. Really, wow, wow, a deeper layer of what isn't helping me, why I've been feeling so off, huh, that's where that's coming from. And then enjoying the letting go into, like, oh, this feeling of investigation and discovery is so nice to see it finally. Um, so according to Bhikkhu Bodhi, the way to arouse unarisen wholesome states, you de- work on developing serenity and insight. You're already doing that by studying the Eightfold Path. You study the eight factors of the path. You're already doing that. The four foundations of mindfulness. I don't doubt that people here have hung out with their breath, the body, their feelings, their mind states, their their minds. Um, and also the seven factors of awakening. So the first three of these seven factors of awakening are also great maintenance of wholesome states. Mindfulness, investigation, energy. So you you receive things that are happening right here and now. Um, 
and you're experiencing mindfulness. You're being mindful. You actively maybe have looked into, okay, what more deeply, what's going on? What is the sensation in the body? What does it really feel like? What is behind this state of mind? Or just, this is pleasant right now, or this is unpleasant right now. Um, You've investigated. So as you do mindfulness, and as you do this curious, gentle exploration of investigation, and as you use your energy wisely, whether it's, okay, I'm really sleepy right now. Right now I need to lift the energy a little bit or I'm an overstriver. I'm my body's just vibrating with tension. I can l- let that go a little bit. When as you dial these three qualities in, these factors of awakening, these then lead into uh, the maintenance of wholesome states. Actually, so that path of mindfulness, investigation, energy at the right level, often leads to rapture which is a very specific experience that can be momentary or it can be long-lasting. When your interest in what you're paying attention to is so intense that it, it's kind of pleasurable and you actually don't want to get off of it. Um, it. But it can also feel like a huge wave of energy that's very unpleasant. But it's this wave of energy like, wow! <laughs> you know, you feel this thing. Um, I, the word rapt may describe it better, like rapt attention, like your attention does not want to move when um, rapture sort of starts to come up. There's almost an excitement. And when it subsides, then tranquility often follows, like a peaceful calmness that continues to want to stay with the wholesome state. Um, so, you know, every time you land on and enjoy wholesome states... Sometimes there can be this tranquility that continues. And then concentration sometimes, or, you know, the settled, feeling the settledness, the stability of it. The ship has done its thing, it's rocked back and forth, and it's come to some center, and it's now riding the waves. Um, Then equanimity arises by itself, actually. Um, Then you have this balance where you're neither too excited nor too, have too much inertia. Um, you don't need to push forward or hold back. Um, you just are kind of comfortably in this. So I, I would say that cultivating these first three factors of awakening, the mindfulness, the investigation, the energy calibration that you're doing in this practice can lead you into these unarisen, wholesome states and can maintain them as you enjoy them. You get to enjoy them. Um, Now, the way we do this is not as continuous as I just suggested. It's more a matter of renewing again and again. It's recognizing when our dribbling is really lousy. And uh, we've got to go back and practice dribbling again until, you know, we, we improve, we improve. So we just keep renewing our attention to this, seeing things that aren't helping us, maybe trying to prevent the things that aren't so helpful, letting go into or relaxing into these things that are more helpful, and then enjoying them to maintain them. We have to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's okay. That's okay. Um, So feel it. 
when this spaciousness comes up, when these realizations lead you into some place that feels more righted, more like, oh, I'm moving from having been really unskilled at this into some level of skill. I kind of, yeah, this feels right. I get this. Um, And just pay attention. Just be mindful of these good states. Um, You might arrange your life to make that more possible. Like when you realize that brushing puts you into unhelpful states, maybe you allow more time to get where you're going to go. Um, so I'd say a key point here is gentle, an overall attitude towards yourself of gentle curiosity and discovery. Like, wow, isn't this cool? I get to see all the really crummy habits and I get to, <laughs> I get to hang out with them until I really, really understand them. And then they start to fall away as I see that there's this other way to be that's way more helpful. And then I get to enjoy that for as long as it's here. Um, it's, it's way more helpful to take that approach um, and to be gentle with yourself than to crack the whip and you know, be up in the abstract level where, oh no, oh no, I'm not good at this. And I'm looking up at, the, at Gil and wow, he's really good at this and why am I not good at this and where did I go wrong? And, you know, so being more gentle and just feeling some appreciation. So that's the encouragement that I have for you today to um, know that you've already got this. You're already deep into it. And you can relax into the moments of really helpful states. And you can maintain those by going back into them again and again and again. So... We've got another um, small group practice session that Chris will guide you into. Okay, let's get in groups of four again. Maybe meet some different people. Somebody needs one more in front here. Okay. Well, three is good if that's what you got. We'll see if there are any any uh, any strays. Three is fine. So we have uh, we have kind of a series of three questions here. I'll just read them all and just reflect on any part of this that comes to you. I think we'll stick with the format of.
going around in circles. So how do you recognize wholesome states? And what resources can you tap into in arousing wholesome states? And how can you continue to nourish them? Yeah. How do you recognize wholesome states? What resources can you tap into in arousing wholesome states? And how can you continue to nourish them? Okay. Okay, well, we had a lot of wisdom earlier, so you all have a lot of wisdom. So we, it's your turn to share some more. <laughs> I'll just say one thing. I've, it feels like it's kind of crystallized today is um, this idea of having a choice about... Uh, going down a, a wholesome path or kind of going down the other path, um, not so wholesome path. And um, I think in my life, I've, I've been aware at some level there was, um, it always, I, I always used the word indulging to myself about the non-wholesome path. And, and it, it does feel like more recently there's uh, like a, just a, a conscious choice about what I do, and it doesn't mean I always choose the wholesome thing, but but sometimes I do, and and that's that's good. So, yeah. Well, in my group, I was saying I was glad uh, the third of these questions came up. So, how do we, how do I maintain a wholesome state once I've established it? And, and you know, I hadn't really thought about this before, but it made me realize that um, although I'm I'm not bad at summoning up a wholesome state that I haven't been in. Um, but once I summon it up and it's in me, uh, I feel happier. But then I get a little bit self-satisfied or complacent and uh, I don't maintain it. And so maybe it doesn't last very long and I go back to my kind of mind. So um, so just having that question asked uh, reminds me that there's more I could do to maintain it. Are you okay? <laughs> um, so for me, um, I was sharing that it's important to notice what about my day is like 
how I'm feeling about what I'm exposing myself to throughout the day. And um, it can be people, um, it can be like the, mo- the, the show that I'm watching after work, the foods that I'm eating, um, the people that, yeah, you know, the, the things that I'm engaging with. Um, and to just kind of notice how I'm feeling. Some things that I know are supporting my wholesome states and some are not. Because, um, yeah, for example, I have like ideals for how I want things to work, to, to be at work. But then I can just kind of notice what naturally happens, what what naturally supports my wholesome states. And that may just be in interference with what I ideally think should be happening. Um, so, yeah, so kind of I've been paying attention to that. And then it helps me choose situations where, yeah, I am able to maintain more of a wholesome state. There was someone in my group that brought up a realization that I'm realizing now, only they were already practicing it. And that is to um, use loving kindness. For instance, if you're at the bank and there's a big line, give loving kindness to the person ahead of you. And think... They don't want to be in line any more than I do. <laughs> and use loving kindness on the, the other people that are in the same situation that are making the situation harder for everybody. So I'm going to use loving kindness when, I, when I'm in line at Walgreens and someone's taking forever. I'm just going to give that person loving kindness. It'll help them deal with whatever issue they're dealing with with the pharmacist so thank you anything else about this or the whole topic or the whole path or anything we've got a few minutes so anything let's see It just came to mind that I was earlier this month, last month, at a talk given by Mary Pfeiffer, and she in her mid-60s said um, that for her friends and people who are at that stage in life, that gratitude practice was not a privilege but a survival skill. And I, that just like, it, it really hit me um, as I have been, uh, one of the earlier comments was, you know, the natural approach. Like, oh, this is going to unfold naturally. I'm naturally grateful. But that actually recognizing I'm in a different terrain and things that I have relied on as naturally being there, maybe not. And that making it much more of a conscious practice. So I'm saying it out loud so that I remind myself.
wanted to share something that I found helpful recently. I heard Rick Hansen uh, speak at Spirit Rock, and the notion is about that um, our brains tend to stick to the negative. I think he says Teflon for the negative, and wait, Velcro for one. And <laughs> Anyway, the concept is that we have to train our brains to take in the good and that doing it just like drips in a pan um, eventually builds up a sense of gratitude or happiness um, and that just taking moments throughout the day, even if it's very brief, to just be in that appreciation, gratitude, joy, beauty, and just stay with it. Don't let it just fleet out. Um, and I think of those as being sort of like momentary meditations to just retrain the brain, rewire the brain to have more of those moments. Um, so I just want to share that. Yeah, I appreciate that the comments have been arranged from, you know, ways to relax and not make too much effort and trust what's going on and trust the natural arising and yet we have choice, you know, and we can cultivate ways to make good choices. And so there is making effort in the sense of, you know, like you were saying, oh, there's a moment of choice more than you thought. And so balancing that so that it feels more like you're make it's empowering you know, to find more areas in your life where you have a choice. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, today on right effort seemed to me a perfect example of the middle way that for me, too much effort will lead to an unwholesome state and too little effort will lead to an unwholesome state. Uh, but somewhere in the middle is, is the right way. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Shall we sit for a couple minutes? So may the benefit of our practice together today be dedicated to the welfare and happiness and the awakening of ourselves and everyone we know and spreading out to the whole planet.
signing up for Zoom? Um, it's a good time, yes. It's not exactly a reminder. It would be a first, first uh, alert that sometime in the next few weeks you'll be getting an opportunity to sign up for our retreat in June. It's over at the retreat center, and we need a head count for lunch and things like that. So um, what is it now, March? Yeah, probably later this month, toward the end of this month, I'll get that out. So that'll be coming. Yeah, it's June 29th. And it's a it's, day long. It's a day long at uh, the Insight Retreat Center. Um, and it's just, it's a really wonderful way to wrap up the program, to celebrate with one another and, and kind of gather your whole experience of it. And then um, it's important to, it's, sometimes people forget that they need to sign up online at IRC for it. So that's why we're mentioning it now. Yeah, well, the link will come out. We'll remind you a couple of times, but this is the first announcement. It's also a great chance to see the retreat center if you haven't been there. It's a good time to spend a day at our beautiful center over there. I know I won't be able to make it. Is there any chance some part of it will be recorded, or that's not enough? Yeah, we usually record it. Yeah.